I'm really glad you joined us online today. It's really good to have you with us. Antonio Margarito had just come off his inspiring 2008 TKO of pre- previously undefeated Miguel Cotto, the former welterweight champion of the world. And then in January of 2009, he faced Shane Mosley. Mosley's trainer, Nassim Richardson, noticed a powdery subject, substance in Margarito's gloves. And when this was brought to the attention of the officials, they made him rewrap his gloves three times. The substance was plaster of Paris, a powder that would harden when it got wet. And when applied to hand wraps, basically the sweat would make the powder harden into the equivalent of a cast. Margarito would go on, or Mosley would go on to knock out Margarito in brutal fashion. And Margarito would be banned from the sport for a year, and that seems light to me. That seems light penalty to me. But after the discovery of Margarito's plaster, many questioned his 2008 clash with Cotto, and I think all of his other victories come under question in that case. Margarito was disqualified and his question, his credibility was always in question after that. That's the way life works. If you do something, if you cheat, then your credibility comes into question. As we live our lives, no one wants to be disqualified like that. What disqualifies people in life? First of all, cheating like Margarito did by putting plaster in his gloves, cheating financially to try to get ahead, or cheating in school, or cheating on anything else for that matter. Laziness is another thing that disqualifies you. Cutting corners, not being thorough, being slack. This applies to all kinds of things, to discipline with our kids, working on marriage, working at work, doing ministry, we don't want to be slack. If a parent is slack in disciplining their kids, they raise kids that they don't enjoy. And the kids aren't ready to live as an adult when that time comes. So it's really important to discipline and not be lazy in discipline. Another thing that disqualifies people is ignoring the rules, like Margarito did. But God has unbreakable laws that he's built into the way life works, and if you ignore them, you break yourself against them. If you have a pattern of these things in your life, then you are on a shaky foundation. And it, your life could come crashing down at some point. Nobody I know wants to be disqualified and everybody wants their time on earth to matter. The apostle Paul talked about his goal not to be disqualified 
in a letter to one of the churches he started. From his teaching, we understand the discipline we need to make our lives really matter and count. Here's what he says in 1 Corinthians 9, 26 and 27. That is why I run straight for the finish line. That is why I am like a boxer who does not waste his punches. I harden my body with blows and bring it under complete control to keep myself from being disqualified after having called others to the contest. Paul says, I run straight for the finish line. I am like a boxer who does not waste his punches. His goal was to bring his body under control so that he doesn't get disqualified. Nobody wants to be DQ'd from life. Self-control is what you need in order not to be disqualified. Paul had called other Christians or other people to live the Christian life, which is another reason not to get disqualified. To make a difference in the world, we must get to know the God of the Bible through Jesus Christ. And one of the fruits of his spirit when he enters into our lives, which is what God promised to do, and it's my experience in reality, his spirit produces fruit in our lives. And one of those fruits that he develops in us by walking with God is self-control. He, he helps us, moves us toward self-control. And we, we need to choose it, of course, but he gives it. The Bible says that God has shown his great love for us, even though we have all rebelled. The truth is, God made us and wants to give us purpose so that our time on earth really matters. Here is the good news of the gospel. The gospel is the core message of Christianity. It's found in the Bible. It's the core message of the Bible, really. First, God made us so it's right to do what he wants. Revelations 4.11 says, Worthy are you, our Lord and our God, to receive glory and honor and power, for you created all things, and by your will they existed and were created. Something that is made glorifies its maker when it does what it was made to do. For example, an artificial heart brings honor to its maker when it functions like it's supposed to. And people are amazed at the genius of the inventor of the artificial heart. It's, it's an amazing thing. Who, who came up with that? That's, that's amazing. So when we, we are made to do God's will, and when we do his will, we glorify him. So when we obey him and do what he wants, People see how God made life to work best, and it brings him glory. That's 
That's the purpose of our lives. However, instead of obeying God, every one of us has rebelled. Romans 5.8 says, But God shows his love for us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. When the first man and woman rebelled, God could have started over, but he loved us too much to do that. So, he sent his son, Jesus Christ, to redeem us, which means basically to buy us back from sin and the slavery to sin. John 3.16, probably the most famous verse in the Bible, and 17 says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. This means we are twice loved. First, God made us and loved us, and that's evident because he gave us dignity above all the creatures that he made on the earth. Human beings have a special role in this world. Second, he, he loved us enough not to throw us away when we messed up. We've all sinned. We've all rebelled. We've all ran the other way. Uh, and we want to live life independent of God. Instead of throwing us away, he gave the sacrificial gift of his son to die on the cross in our place. That's, that's an amazing amount of love. This means that every person on earth has a choice to follow God or not. God, God wants us to choose to love him back. And we wouldn't be human if we didn't have a choice to follow him. That would, that would make us robotic. And he, he doesn't want that. He wants a genuine relationship with, with him. He wants us to choose that relationship and enjoy it. We have a choice to not believe in him. But when we do believe in him, we experience the life and freedom that only the God who made us can give. Romans 10, 9 and 10 says, Because if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes and is justified, and with the mouth one confesses and is saved. Making Jesus Lord means that we decide to live God's way in every part of our lives. The result of Jesus dying on the cross is that our sin is justified. We are granted eternal life if we accept Jesus and what he has done for us. We bring him into our life and we choose to follow him in every arena. He's at the core, and we choose to do what he wants in every part of our life. And this is the purpose God has given us to live for. It's an amazing privilege we have. You discover this purpose 
in Scripture, and, and that's where you find the framework for our purpose. And it's important to understand the framework, so I'm going to walk through it uh, right now. Here, here are God's great guidelines for his people. There are four sweeping guidelines that bring meaning and purpose to every part of our lives. First, the great mandate. Genesis 1, 27 and 28 says, So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. And God blessed them. And God said to them, Be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it and have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over every living thing that moves on the face of the earth. The great mandate shows us that people should multiply and develop families. The seeds of societies are in this mandate. Cultures, technology, which all when we do them brings the earth under control. That's our assignment as men and women, to bring the earth, to subdue it, to get dominion over the earth. This mandate gives meaning to the mundane, and it should motivate us to be faithful with even the the most boring responsibilities. I was pulling weeds this week, and I have to do that a lot because weeds grow. That's the way it is now after the curse that God brought on the world because of our sin. And it's it's painful and mundane, but it's totally satisfying when you can step back and look at your work that you've completed. It There's a deep satisfaction from that. And it's satisfying because... Uh, when we do that kind of thing, we're fulfilling the great mandate. We're fulfilling what we were made to do. We're bringing our little patch of the earth under control. We're subduing it and getting dominion in the world. This means that even in the mundane responsibilities, they're good and right. So I don't bail on them and be unfaithful with them. I need to be faithful to pull weeds if I need to pull the weeds. The second great guideline is the great commandment. Matthew 22, 7 through 40, Jesus was asked what was the greatest commandment. And he said to him, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the great and first commandment. And the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments depend all the law and the prophets. The great commandment gives us the boundaries for relationships. In basketball, there's a line in which uh, if you don't stay within that line, you're out of bounds. Players do everything they can to stay in bounds. The great commandment is the general guideline 
for what is in bounds in relationships. And it means that I must treat everyone rightly before God. Next great command, guideline, great guideline, is the Great Commission. The Great Commission that Jesus gave his first followers and that applies to us provides the framework for how he wants us to invest our lives. Matthew 28, 19 and 20 says, Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you, and behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. Here's what this means. While the mundane is meaningful and love is my obligation to all, God expects me to live for more. And so I team together with the church to do its work of making and training disciples. This means I live with a wide-angle lens. It brings ton of meaning to our lives. It provides the framework for our lives that brings the blessing of God. A narrow-angle lens on a camera really cuts people out of the picture. It cuts scenery out of the picture. You, you can't get the whole view, the whole panoramic view. Um, the picture on the left was with a narrow lens, and on the right, with a wide-angle lens, you can see a lot more people in that picture. If we don't factor the Great Commission into our lives, we miss what matters to God, and we don't live for the purpose he made us to live for. The wide-angle lens means that our decisions must fit within the broader framework of what he has commissioned us to do, to make and train disciples. Our mission at CIV Ontario Ranch is inviting our neighbors to discover Christ through his life-changing community. You see two things in this mission statement. We invite our neighbors to discover Christ to make disciples. That's the way we do it. Um, and we invite you to join us as we learn to obey God together. That was in the commission. We, we need to teach how to observe all that Jesus commanded us. And we are all changed as we experience Jesus in the context of his life-changing community. We, we train disciples this way and we learn to obey all that he's commanded us. And so we team together as a church community to make and grow disciples. And as we do that, as we team, we grow ourselves. Final great guideline is the great purpose. 1 Corinthians 10.31 says, So whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. Great purpose is the filter for our choices and the motivation for our decisions. When, when you live for the great purpose, you ask the question, will this glorify God? We aim to do 
what will glorify God, and refuse to do what detracts from his glory. This is the guide for our actions. We choose God's glory over all other motivations and ambitions. We live for him. We must make sure that this specific choice right in front of me fits the framework of God's will if we want the blessing of God on our lives. Life is so important that we shouldn't want to waste punches and be DQ'd. Being disqualified is a disgrace and nobody wants to experience that. So we train for obedience because we're not naturally inclined to obey God. We're inclined to rebel against him. We're rebels at the core. And if we choose to follow Christ, God is gracious to us as we learn to obey him. There are four resources that God uses to grow Christ's followers. If we use this, these resources, then we grow spiritually. And I want to encourage you to use these resources. First, we need to be getting into the Word of God. 2 Timothy 3.16 says, The Word of God teaches us, it corrects, it reproves us, it corrects us, and trains us in righteousness so that we may be equipped for every good work. Second, we need to be praying to God. We have the privilege of asking God for stuff. And when he responds, we learn more about him. That's, that's one of the ways he's designed for us to grow and our understanding of, of God. We learn a lot about his character by what he says yes to or what he says no to or what he says wait on. We get to know him this way. And then, third, a church community is important resource for growing. This, there is much encouragement for obeying Christ in the church community. You find many examples to spur you on to do what God wants you to do. We, we would love for you to join us as we learn to follow God together. And then serving in ministry. This week, if, if you're, you were a guest at sports camp and if, if you're here attending, if your kids attended sports camp, you were served by the CIV community. And it was our pleasure to do it. But what happens as you serve, um, it, you develop a bond when, with those you serve alongside. And God helps to grow you in the midst of the work of the ministry and of serving. I was a serious baseball player growing up, but I, I didn't like to run and I trained sporadically. I didn't train that much. I always knew that I could get more out of myself if I was diligent and trained hard. This created a gap where I was and where my potential could be as a baseball player. I want to encourage you to close the gap between your potential in life and where you are in life by training 
in godliness. First Timothy 4, 7, and 8 says, Have nothing to do with irreverent, silly myths. Rather, train yourself for godliness, for while bodily training is of some value, godliness is of value in every way. Godliness just means God reference living, living. And so we, we, we have to train ourselves in godliness because we don't naturally include God in our thinking and our decisions and our choices that we're making. And if we do train in godliness, it holds promise for the present life and also for the life to come. Godliness has value in every way, in all arenas of life. Character has a way of blessing you wherever you go. And wherever you go, there you are. <laughs> That's for sure. I, I want to encourage you to train in godliness and discover the blessing of God as you train and grow in it. I want to encourage you to take some next steps today. One of the first next steps that you should take, if you haven't done so, is decide to follow Christ. Just make that decision. Maybe maybe you have enough information to follow him, uh, or, or maybe you need more information. We'd love to help with that decision. And then another step would be join us as we aim to train for our purpose. Get involved in CIV. We would love to have your involvement. Would you pray with me? Father, we thank you so much for your kindness to us, how gracious you are, how much love you have, because in your mercy, you you didn't throw us away, but you you saved us and you you made us and you saved us and so we're twice loved thank you so much for that god and i pray that you'd help us to take our next step in following you today and i ask this in the name of the lord jesus christ amen